following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. We're still in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. I hope you brought your Bibles with you. Um, it's, uh, it's, so, it's so incredible to me how God's Word is living and active, that it speaks right into the circumstances sovereignly, per- perfectly in the times that we are facing and the circumstances we're walking through. Um, it, 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 it knows, it, it judges the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Um, I, I want to just, uh, as we kind of journey into this, um, uh, let, me, let me read the passage first, and hopefully you'll read it with us. It will be on the screen, but I hope that you have your Bibles available, open, ready to be students of the Word, because God wants to do this great work of transforming us by His Word, because faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of Christ. And uh, we're going we're gonna to finish out the, the chapter, uh, uh, chapter 8 of Luke today, starting in verse 40. Um, we, uh, I, I give you a little context in that Jesus has put the gang back in the boat. Uh, they've left um, uh, the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the, the Gentile side of the Galilean Sea, and they are making their way back across the sea um, to uh, a crowd uh, that is that is massive, that have, that's been anticipating his arrival, waiting uh, expectantly for him to show back up uh, because they, they are either uh, in great need or they're just wanting to see uh, what Jesus is having to say and do. So, um, and, and keep in mind that there's been some time here. I mean, Jesus is, you know, taking the boys across the sea. They've gone through this storm. Um, you know, he's revealed himself in all of these things, and now he is, uh, he's facing this crowd that welcomes him on the shore, and we pick up in verse 40. Uh, Luke 8, 40. Now, when Jesus returned to Galilee, the, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, people pressed around him. Um, and it says here, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, him being Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, Jesus, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, speaking of Jairus, 
Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that someone should be given her something, I guess, directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So, um, this is a big deal. Like, I think so often, I know I have a tendency to really get minutia when it comes to scripture. I, I, I get lost in the, in the details of the scripture and, and I think there's some real benefit in that and really digging deep and, and really finding the nuance. But at the same time, there's great benefit in the big picture. There's great benefit in the in the big bigger understanding and to step back a little bit at times and see the, the you know what 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 is God doing here what is Jesus doing here and as we began chapter 8 we 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 talked about the sower and the seed and that God longs to plant his good word in our hearts that it might come to to fruition and fruitfulness and and uh, and the fruitfulness of that is as was preached uh is that uh that we would be lights that we would uh, that we shine for His glory, that His word would come forth in power, and uh, and our our life uh, would illuminate uh, His power and presence, and uh, and then the very next thing we see is that they head off uh, in the boat for this journey uh, that was no coincidence. Uh, you know, Christ was authoring a, a journey into a storm. That there are times where where Jesus the Lord will lead us into storms, so that we will learn and grow, depend on Him, find our our comfort and faith and trust in Him alone. And uh, and and in the middle of the storm, they um they uh they ask Him, you know, Lord, do do you care that we're, we're going to die here? And and He asked them, you know, why are you afraid? In other words, I'm I'm right here. I'm 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 with you. Jesus postured that time was He was sleeping in the stern of the boat. And, but they were terrified. And, but what's interesting is as Jesus gets up, first rebukes the disciples, then he actually rebukes the winds and the waves, and it says immediately they ceased. Immediately they stopped. And now the disciples are more afraid of who's in the boat than what was outside the boat. <laughs> it says they're, they're afraid. Like, and, and in this moment, like, this is what they say. What matter of man is this? That he can, he can command the winds and the waves and they obey him. So as we step back in, in chapter 8 here, what we what we're seeing is 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 Jesus is literally pulling back the veil. He's he's revealing himself to us. He's showing us his that he has power and authority over creation. I mean, can you imagine the the shift in the disciples at this point? Like, man, we're so glad he's here. I'm excited to follow him, but but now they're going this, this guy can tell the the creation what to do and it does it. Like He's bigger than I expected. He, he had gotten out of their box and, and so he was, he's, he's the God of creation. He has, he has authority and power there. And I want to read a few verses just in case, you know, um, I think sometimes we underestimate the wonder of who God is. 
and who Jesus is. I think sometimes we sell him short and it's to our own, it's to our own, uh, lack and, and, and demise because like the, the more we understand who he is, the more we, we give him credit for the potential and power that he can author into our lives and our circumstances. And he wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe things about him that are, that are profound, like that he's God and that he can do these wonderful things, and that that would move our faith to reach out to him, as we heard in this story, to reach out and to touch him, to come to him and ask him for things that are outside of our control, but well within his. And so um, just these three passages I read today, just, and they're all, it's so interesting that Genesis 1, uh, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, John chapter 1, they all kind of have this this same um, theme of, of really trying to tell us who this Jesus is and that he's so much more than we've given him credit for. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, 1 through 3, listen to this. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The Greek actually reads that he has spoken son. Like the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Like he's spoken Jesus, right, whom he appointed whom the Father God appointed uh, the heir of all things, through whom, listen to this, through whom also he created the world. Like this was, when he spoke, when the Father spoke, it was Jesus that the, cre- the creation came to fruition through. I love, I love this. Verse 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do we, I mean, this is, this is our Jesus. This is who he is, right? I mean, Jesus like was kind of taken back when they were like, you know, they were saying to him like John 14, they're like, show us the father and that'll be enough. Jesus said, don't you get it yet, guys? When you've seen me, you've seen the father. Like that's a pretty bold statement. If it's not true, he's, that's a crazy statement. If it's true, he's Lord. He's God. Right? And that's exact. And do, do you see that last verse there? And he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Does that not make you lean in a little bit deeper and more profoundly to, to, to the scriptures? <laughs> like Colossians 1.16. This is, this is what Paul had to say to the church in Colossae about, about Jesus. He says, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and help me. Do you know you were created? For him. Right? Everything was created for his glory. Like, it was created through him and for him. And then verse 17. And he is before all things. Speaking of Jesus. In him all things hold together. (laughs) He's the substance of all things. But he's the glue. He's the holding together of all things. Verse 18. And he is the head of the church. Or the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness, don't miss this, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. (laughs) 
Uh, I can't even take that in. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, both man and creation, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And man, listen, listen to what John 1 has to say to us, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. We're talking about Jesus here. And the Word was with God in the beginning. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Have you heard that yet? (laughs) All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Like, he came to that which was his own, it goes on to say, and his own rejected him. Like, can you imagine? He created it all. He holds it all together. And 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 just take that in, in comparison to how he was treated, how he was received or not received. And, and, and I just can't imagine like, like, like there's a father that comes to him and says, man, my child is demon possessed. This is on the other side of the Mount Transfiguration. We'll get to that really quickly here soon. And, uh, and he, and because of his experience with his disciples, with his, with the church, he says, you know, if you can do anything about this. And Jesus looks at him and says, if I can? Like, like, man, man do you know him? Do you know what he's able to do? Do you know who he is? You know, like, that's what I think is happening in the boat in the midst of the storm. He calms the sea, and these guys are going, oh, no. Like, this, I, I had not, I had not put this into the account of who he is. Like, is, he's, he's, he's awesome. Shows up on the shore, a demon-possessed man comes racing to him, declares him to be exactly who he is. He's delivered from the demon possession. We talked about this last week. Pigs go off a cliff. I mean, it's a crazy scene, and everyone is marveled. In fact, they said they were greatly afraid because what? Jesus just pulled back the veil again. He showed them that he has power and authority over the spiritual realm, over, over, over evil, over demons. They are, they're terrified of him. They fall on their, their faces and they're like, please don't, wherever, because wherever you send me, we've got to go, you know, like, they're begging, petitioning him, submitting to him. There's no worship here. James tells us even the demons believe and shudder. But guys, do you see that he's, he's pulling back the veil? He's, he's revealing himself to his, specifically his disciples, but to everyone uh, that, that's seen this, that, that he's the God of creation, that he's the, he's the, he has the power and authority over, over demons and death. And so then he gets on the shore here and he is bombarded. As soon as he gets off the boat, he is, I mean, people, it says in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew that literally he can't even, he's barely getting off the boat and they're like on him, right? And, and I'm sure there's great expectation, there's excitement, there's intrigue, there's curiosity, all these things, but this is a massive crowd. And it's interesting to me that in just about a year, little over a year from now, a couple of Passovers, and everyone's going to turn their back on him, except some precious ladies and maybe John. Scatter. Like, we're so fickle. We're so fickle. Like, God is so faithful, and we're so fickle. Oh, that we would be faithful. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness. 
because we need it. We are like sheep that go astray, right? Like we're so prone to fear and doubt and, and these things are such the antonym of our faith and we, we've got to, like, guys, can I ask you a question? Is he worthy of your trust? Is he worthy of your confidence and your hope? Man, it says trust no man. Like, look, look, look at, uh, I think it's John 2, 23, 24. Like he said, he says he, he, he put no confidence in men. Right? Because he knew our hearts. That's what it says. He knew their, he knew their hearts. Man. So, you know, just talking about his authority and power over, over the, over evil. Listen to what Mark 9, 25 says. And when Jesus saw the crowd run, uh, came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. Matthew 17, 18. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Now we're in a passage where we see Jesus is again kind of pulling back the veil and revealing his deity. He's showing us that he is the God that is professed in those passages we read earlier because now he's showing us his authority over sickness and his authority even over death and that he has a totally different perspective on these things. It's interesting. So, Verse 40, as I mentioned, says, and now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him and they were all waiting for him. So, I mean, this must have taken days, but they're, antici- I mean, they're waiting for him. So the, the question has to be asked of us, man, are you waiting on the Lord? Are, are you seeking him? Are you, I mean, because the Sea of Galilee had many locations that this boat could pull and they were, they were pursuing him. You know, maybe with a litany of different motivations, but, but they were, they were, they were looking for Jesus. You know, and I don't think that we should ever stop seeking him. I don't think we should ever stop looking for him because he's got so much more of himself that he wants to reveal to us. And we've got to be the seeker. Ask, seek, knock, right? And so, verse 41 and 42 says, and there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. This guy was a a layman that would take care of the order of worship, would take care of the campus, um, so that the rabbis could just teach. So the rabbis could do what they were called and, and created to do and just teach. And it says, and falling at his feet, he implored him to come to his house. Now look, this was an act of humility. I mean, like, he, it's an act of desperation for sure. I mean, he, he doesn't care. He has pushed through the crowd. He has found Jesus' feet and he is on his knees in, in, G, in front of Jesus, beckoning, begging, pleading, imploring him to please come to his house, inviting him into an intimate uh, setting with, with him and saying, I have need and I need you. And, and if you don't come, it ain't happening. I'm desperate for, and, and, Think about the, 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 the faith. Like, what is he, what is he saying that he, that he understands or believes about Jesus by him even asking this? Right? Right? I mean, like, you don't ask somebody to do something that you don't believe they can do. And verse 42, for he had an only daughter. Like, the scripture wants us to know that. Earlier we talked about the, the, the widow from Nain that Jesus puts his hand on the stretcher and raises his, her only son. Like Jesus is, Jesus knows these details and he is, he is sensitive. Do you know he sees us? We've talked about this so much recently that God sees us. He knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our need. He knows our, our circumstances. We don't need to educate him on that. We just need to come. We need to petition and ask and ask him to come into our house. 
Have you asked Jesus into more of an intimate setting lately? Have you invited him in, in, in the most intimate of ways? He, he wants to come near and do miraculous things in our hearts and lives. For he had an only daughter about 12 years old or 12 years of age, and she was dying. Can you imagine desperate times here? Desperate measures. And here he is, and he is, man, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. Man, when we care what people think, it keeps us from, from this posture. He doesn't care what people think. All he cares, he, he, he is moved by love. He is moved by love. And man, can I just pause here for a moment? There are people in our lives that are going to die eternally. that are going to be separated from the presence of Christ in an eternal way. There is a death that is more significant than the physical. And are we, are we racing to Jesus' feet on their behalf and begging him to come and do something? Are we doing that? Are we, do we realize that the fields are white and, and we're not to pray for that. We're praying that we'd be the laborer, that we'd be out in the harvest doing the work, whatever it takes. You know, Jairus didn't care what people thought at this moment because, because it wasn't, it wasn't about him. It was about this, his daughter, his only daughter that was on death's door. And man, spiritually speaking, there's a lot of that going on. People that we know and love. Is it, is it call, is it calling you to the feet of Jesus to beg and petition him to come into your house and theirs? To, to beg them for their salvation, their healing, their resurrection, their restoration. And I love this. Do you see the second half of 42? As Jesus went. Man, this, God wants to come in. God wants to enter into these, these moments and, and bring the, the power and the authority that, that changes everything. He wants to author the, the, the miracle that we're so desperate for. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. That's interesting. We gotta get that. And, uh, I just love that he went. Um, interesting. Verse 43 goes on to say, and there was a woman, right? Just this, it's kind of the, the, the focus shifts in the text anyway. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. I, I'm not sure the connection between a 12-year-old girl and a, and a woman, but 12 years of facing the, the, the issue of bleeding or menstrual. I mean, like, can you imagine? Like, and the implications in a Jewish context are severe because you're unclean. Like, you're not able to participate. You can't go into the, the court of women. You can't go into the synagogue. You're socially, you have to declare your uncleanliness everywhere you go where there's people. And this is why she's in a hidden mode. This is why she is excluded. She is disenfranchised. She's marginalized for sure. And, and, and in, in, in ways that are different than what the text is talking about, she's hidden to society, but she's not hidden to Jesus. Isn't that sweet? I think that's beautiful. One of the things that I, I loved in this passage, it's bold in my, in my, in my notes, is that he calls her daughter. Daughter. Like he reminds her that she has a father in heaven. He reminds her that she is part of the family. You can, you, we can't even imagine how ostracized she was because of an issue that was completely out of her control. You ever feel like that? You ever been there? Man, what a powerful moment this is. 
And the, the, the thing that makes it worse is as though she had, she had spent all of her living on physicians trying to solve this, this dilemma, and she could not be healed by anyone. So now, now she's not only ill chronically, but she's poor. And everybody is just kind of saying, well, and she's unclean. Man. So some observations. How did Jairus perceive this moment? Because I'm sure that he's feeling like his need is pretty pressing. That it's a, it's an immediate need. And why are we pausing here for anything? We need to go. Can, can, can you see what maybe the father is, he's thinking? I'm, I'm sure he felt like his need was more profound and immediate. She had exhausted her all her earthly resources. And now she's coming to the author of creation. And you got to believe, you don't go and reach out and seek to touch. And it really wasn't her touching him. It was him touching her when we really boil it down. But like, you don't do that if you don't have hopes and aspirations, faith and confidence that this moment's going to change things. He even tells her, your faith has done the deal, man. She had exhausted all of her earthly resources. She was chronically ill. Poverty uh, must have been. Can you imagine? Do you think she was a little overwhelmed? Have, have, have you ever been overwhelmed? Yeah, I know some of you saying, you mean like this week? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Overwhelmed. Emotional, physical, psychological, uh whatever like like this is the place where god can do his greatest work because our our mode now is desperate right and it shouldn't be that way it should be he should be our first response instead of our last resort right that should always be true but because what are we putting our faith in the doctor that practiced medicine or the great physician Right? Like, where, what are we putting our confidence in? And what does it do for us? When, when, as Jer- I love Jerry's illustration, when the captain's on the deck, there's a, there's a sense of confidence, right? There's a sense of peace. There's a, okay, we're all right. Right? God's always on the deck. Like, he's always there. He's always able. He's always, like, he's at work and, and he wants us. Like, as I said earlier, he's so worthy of our trust. Verse 44, she came up behind him. And touched the fringe of her, of his garment. Another, um, um, gospel says that she was convinced if she did this that she would be healed. Like, like, uh, what do you believe about him? What do you believe about his power and his ability and his heart? Like, to me, that's, yes, we should ascribe the power and the authority and all those things to him that he's able. But like, I think it's even sweeter to know his heart and his disposition. Like, that's the sweetness for me. Like, he loves us. And she touched the fringe of his garment, and it says, and immediately her discharge of blood was ceased. Another, another gospel says that she felt it in her body. She knew that it was over and that she was healed. I believe in that moment there was, a, there was an overwhelming sense. It says that she was trembling. I think part of that was just exuberance and excitement and, and relief, but, but obviously there was some fear because she, had, she thought she'd been found out. But she had a desperate moment in her life. Uh, some thoughts, some observations. She must have believed in his power to heal her and that a simple touch would be enough. What do you believe about his power and his touch? You get a sense that she wanted to remain hidden and she wasn't sure how he might respond to her uncleanliness, but she knew 
He had the power, and it happened immediately. You know, here, here's one of the most powerful parts of this text for me. And we looked at it earlier when Jesus reached out his hand to a, an only son of a widow, and he put his hand on the stretcher. Listen, when, when a, we, we don't even really understand as, as, as Gentiles, like, you, you don't make yourself unclean. Because it, it, it limits worship for you. It limits proximity. And so, like, but Jesus, he became poor that we might become rich. He became unclean. Please don't miss this. That we might be clean. Like that's, he, he, he walked into her, her pain, her brokenness. Everybody else was disregarding her and he was stopping and embracing this moment. Sure, there was an urgency. And let me just say this while it's just on my heart is that, you know, we live such hectic, busy lives. We have always got plans and agendas and, and deadlines and things that are on our plate. Man, you don't think that a, a guy's daughter that's dying is a state of emergency or urgency, right? And Jesus stops. For the Father's will to be done in this precious little life. Look at the, look at the dichotomy between the, the, the social strata here. This is a woman that's, that's disenfranchised from her, from, and then this is a Jewish, uh, ruler of a synagogue. And Jesus doesn't have any concern about any of that. He pauses in the midst of his crazy schedule and just does the Father's will. Right? I, I love that. I think that that is super, super powerful. Verse 45 and 46, it says, And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? Do you believe for a moment he didn't know? <laughs> when God asked in the, in the, in the garden, um, Where are you? Do you think he didn't know? Like, Jesus, like, we, God asks us questions so that we'll know, <laughs> so that we might understand. When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. In other words, um, there's a ton of people that probably touched you, Lord. What are you talking about? Right? But, but Jesus wasn't talking about, like, he was talking about the touch. You know what I'm talking about? Like the touch that God wants to, to, to do in your life. Like someone has touched me with faith. Someone has touched me knowing who I am and power has left me and I want her to know it, that she's healed. Listen, and, and listen, he goes on to say, but Jesus said, someone touched me and I perceive that power has gone out for me. My observation, I'm confident he knew, but he wanted her to know he knew and that her faith in him had healed her. And you know what else? He wanted them to know this daughter of Abraham, she's well. She has touched me in faith and she has experienced the healing that only I can do. He's pulling back the veil. He's revealing his deity. He's showing them that Emmanuel is here. God is with us. This is what he said. Another observation, Jesus felt the power, the, 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 the passing of power. And I believe so will we. You know, I'm so comforted to know that Jesus got tired. In his humanity. I'm comforted by that because, gosh, I get tired. Right? And, and I also relate to this. I've had countless moments where, where we, where, where I've, God has used me to do ministry in people's lives, heal all kinds of things, just praying over for, for ministry for all. And I have felt his power pass through. 
and I have seen the, the work that God has done in their life. Guys, we can be conduits. Please hear that illustration for all it's meant to be. We can be conduits of his power. And we are blessed by being the instrument. And Jesus was being an example to us here. We see it later on in the book of Acts that the apostles had similar experiences. And third, the same power that raised Jesus, just a reminder, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now abides, remains in you. Man, man like the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, and the Spirit will come and he will clothe you with power that you might be my witnesses through this power. Man, are we, are we asking God to do great and mighty things through us as we trust him, knowing that he's empowered us for great, great works and for, and to minister to the needs of those that are out there for the glory of God, for sure. 47, 48 continues. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, declaring her faith, right? That's what she's doing. And it says, and how she had been immediately healed. She is testifying. And he said to her, I love it. I shared this already. Daughter, because there's two daughters in this story, Carol pointed out and reminded. I thought that was beautiful. There's two daughters here, right? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace, right? And as it was pointed out this morning, peace means shalom. Shalom means completeness. Go in what you have just experienced. It wasn't just a physical healing. She was complete because she had experienced his power and presence. Some observations. She uh, Such a terrifying and exciting moment for her. Jesus wanted her testimony. It's how we overcome Think about it. Her faith in him healed her. Her faith in him healed her. What is your faith in? That's the question we have to ask. What are we trusting in? We, we're, we're trusting in something. We're leaning on something. We're hoping for something. And often it's us. We gotta, we've got to put our whole confidence and trust in him, in things that are unseen, promises that are yet realized. All faith finds its source in the great physician. And in verse 49 and 50, it says, while they were still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. You know, first thing that popped in my mind is they were giving up on Jesus. Jesus wasn't thwarted by what had transpired. But but here it's it's kind of like, you know, well, now now he's he's got he, he can't help us anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him do not fear, Jairus. And I love that he says, only believe. Do not fear, right? Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Like this, this is what God, I mean, this is what Jesus' ministry and mission was all about. Is, oh, you have little, like he just wants us to, to believe he is who he says he is and to trust him for what he's promised. Some observations. Have you ever thought God has failed me? That he was insensitive to your needs? That his timing wasn't ideal? Can you imagine what this father might have been feeling or thinking at this moment? 
Jesus looks him in the eye and says, fear not, only believe. Our challenge is to trust his words and let faith in him overcome our feelings, overcome our fear, and overcome our flesh. All of those things will beckon you to a different direction. Feelings, fear, and the desires of the flesh will always beckon you to a counter response that faith is calling you to. Does that make sense? And, and God wants to say, because that's the test. That's, that's where we really live out our faith is when we trust him for the, the promise, the, the impossible thing. When Moses said, stand here, don't move Israel and watch your deliverance. And the seas were parted. Right? I mean, Moses said, this is what's going to happen. Have you ever, th- I, I mentioned that already. Jesus, uh, next point. Our challenge is to trust him in his word and let our faith overcome our feelings, fear, and flesh. God, uh, God often God's word and promises, contra- don't miss this, just a thought. Uh, often God's word and promises contradicts our natural order of things. Right? When God tells us something, it doesn't, sometimes it's counterculture, counter nature, counter, counter possible, right? Like in our own mindset. Um, and things that are in our own reasoning, like don't bother the teacher anymore. This is outside of his realm of possibility, right? Um, if you can. It is in these moments that we need to be still and know that he is God. And as it says in Exodus 14, 14, that he is fighting for you and with you. See, faith is the antidote of fear. That's our theme this year, fearless Faith, verses 51 to 53 says, And when he came to the house, Jesus, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James. By the way, this is the first time that he takes this, establishes this inner circle. First time. I'm sure the other boys were like, what? Um, and the father and mother of the child. So five of them go with him into the room, and all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep. Now he's talking to the rest of them. He says, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing, knowing she was dead. Man, God gets laughed at because of his promises and power. Some observations. He came to the house. (laughs) Jesus walks into our pain. Did you hear that this morning? When invited, Jesus will walk in to our pain. And my question is, have you invited him into yours and embraced him for who and what he can do? Another thought, we are told that those who have died in Christ are asleep in him, as he mentions here. So let's not weep for them, right? But let's remember that we are called to grieve like those who have hope. So the next point is, but we definitely grieve with hope because we love and miss them. And we also grieve with others, too, because that's what our love and hearts. My my heart's been broken this week for my precious family, for Leanne, for Judy, for for all. I mean, it's just been it's been a hard. Thank God for the comforter. And then finally, don't miss this. Have you ever laughed or doubted God's word because you knew something? I just think that's something really to think through. Like we're just, this this is the way it is now. 
And so we just doubt or, or laugh because that laughter was just a statement of doubt, right? And finally, verses 44 to 54 to 56, but taking her by the hand, don't you love that? He touches her. She was unclean. She was, you know, like God touches us in our brokenness, in our pain, in our loss. And taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. Guys, God said, get up. Right? That's what he's going to do in the day that he comes back. Right? He's going to say, my bride, church, come. Come and 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 we will arise as he arose that, that glorious Sunday morning. I love that part. And then I said that this is good theology here. And, and, and it says, and her spirit returned. Man, when someone, when a believer dies, when anyone dies, their spirit departs their, their tent. This, is, this, this belongs to the earth. This is dirt. This is not who you are. But when, this, when, this, when, this, when her spirit came back, now her, her body is awakened, right? And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. I, I'm, because of our time, I'm not going to get into that, but just to simply to say that God was working out his glorious timeline for the, the sacrifice of his own son. And who knew and didn't know in different intervals was critical for that timeline to be realized. It actually you know, orchestrated some of Jesus' movements when, when others didn't do what he asked them to do. And the conclusion we should draw is when Jesus asks us to do something, don't go tell anyone. Because remember, just across the lake, he told him to go tell everyone, right? Well, we don't have to understand the whys. We just need to do what he tells us to do. Because we trust that he's got it figured out. Man, we're so good at questioning God on things. I love that Jesus touched her. Right? I love that. And I've talked about the other points here. We're going to pray as we close. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.